Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. Maddie D and I preview the full slate of gridiron action for this weekend, September 16th and 17th, for both week three of the college football season and week two of the NFL. We look back at last week for both, give our reactions to some of the bigger games on the slate. We also give you our picks for the cold, hard locks for week two of the NFL. little fantasy advice over in the fantasy corner and a preview of the golf tournament we're hosting this weekend, the Thunder Cup. Check out the timestamps in the description for the podcast in case you want to skip around to uh, the various different sections. But as always, please like and share the podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Follow us on Instagram. ThunderBlogSports is that handle, just like our website, ThunderBlogSports.com. Like we mentioned, hosting a golf tournament this weekend, so be sure to follow along with that on social media. But now, enjoy this week's episode. Thanks again. We are live. Welcome to this week's Fun V Tailgate, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. I, of course, am your host, the G-Man. With me, as always, is my boy, the man, the myth, somewhat of a legend, Maddie D. What's up, buddy? Well, it's Thursday night. Got some NFL football on tonight. And I'm looking forward to the first of many annual Thunder Cups this coming Saturday. Gracious hosts, Ramblewood Country Club, hosting myself, you, and 14 other somewhat fine gentlemen in a fantastically exciting golf match. I'm fired up for a little Thunder Cup. And then, obviously, go right from the Thunder Cup. We'll be checking our phones the whole day. It's another massive football weekend, which I think fires you up as well. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about, um, about all of it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, too. And we'll, we'll get to... How almost us picking this weekend inadvertently was right in, in this schedule, the scheduling for this week. But for those that are new to the program, we have done for episode one was, or actually, this is episode four. Episode one was our Big 12 preview. That was a full deep dive. Episode two was the rest of college, leading right into week one of college. Last week was the NFL with a little bit of college. This week is the first. I don't want let's call it a pure show. The the idea, the way we drew it up. Uh the X's and O's, if you will. Half college, half NFL. What we're gonna do, break down last week, then this week, and then go to the pros. And then you know, a few other inter, you know, a few other topics interdispersed through throughout it. But uh yeah, Matt, let's jump right in. Yes, week two of college. What were your initial takeaways? I mean, I, I think the one thing on everybody's mind is that we saw kind of a reverse of last year, but really that one team out of the Big 12, we did a whole preview on them, so it's a great point there. Oklahoma came to play in, in the horseshoe up in Ohio State. I guess I would start by asking you this question. Did Oklahoma – do we learn more about Oklahoma or more about Ohio State in that game? Because the reason I say this is because Oklahoma, we already knew, had Baker Mayfield – um, you know, had an offense. We thought, though, that Ohio State had kind of taken a step forward with Urban Meyer and JT Barrett and figured out their offense. I guess I'd ask, what's your take? 
did we learn more about Oklahoma or more about Ohio State in that game? I would say we learned we learned a lot about both. I'd say we learned more about Ohio State. I have to eat crow, pound sand, whatever you want to call it. Um, I wrote in the blog last week, uh, the Fun to Be Sailgate blog, which you can find every Friday, about how I thought that Ohio State playing a shit first half against Indiana, second half, but that's not Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer loves to just people. And I thought he was going to come out against a team that they already dominated on the road and kill them. I thought they were going to pound the over. I think it was six points, which I thought was too low. A blowout. I was shocked to see the opposite. I was shocked to see Baker spike the flag in the middle of the O. Um, I think their defense did not look great. Baker Mayfield proved that he's a gr- that he is still a great quarterback that we've kind of we talked about in our Big 12 preview, but we kind of almost we almost underrate him because we have all these different guys that are around I, you know, around the nation. Yeah, I, I'll tell you what I was really impressed of with Miss, with Mr. Mayfield is that I mean he has the ability to run the football, but he actually didn't run that well. But he did have almost 400 yards passing, three touchdowns, 77% completion percentage. That is what you're looking for, for what I think might be, and I know there's a guy with more stats, but might be the Heisman favorite, and I know it's week two, but might be the Heisman favorite because there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of programs or quarterbacks that go into the bend, uh, sorry, go into the shoe and beat Ohio State like he beat them. And what I was really impressed by was I thought you made a great point. Their defense, Ohio State's defense, didn't even look that great. Um, oh. Right. The other thing I thought was interesting is I was watching – I was actually watching with my father, Paulie D, Papa D, uh, great man. Shout out to Paulie D. And he's telling me, oh, my God, how fast Ohio State looks. And I said, you know what, you're right. Ohio State looks fast, and they are fast. They run great 40 times. But at some point, speed – Speed is not the final answer, and Oklahoma beat them with fantastic tackling and great pressure up the middle, but I was really concerned. If you're an Ohio State fan or someone that has some money down on them, JT Barrett. Yeah, he did not look great. Well, he looked like a game manager, but but at some point a quarterback needs to be more than a game manager. He needs to throw the ball down the field and take some chances, and I thought he looked – I actually thought he looked nearly incompetent as a quarterback. Now, I know – Things were not going his way, but man, for a for a guy that seems to have been in college football forever, he did not yeah. look like the season pro. No, I would agree with that. I think he, yeah, he wasn't putting it down the field. He wasn't really taking advantage of a defense that, on paper, should have been worse than the Oklahoma defense that we saw um, and the Ohio right. State defense that we saw. Like I, you know, like we both said, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that in all facets of it. Ohio State was not ready. Maybe they were looking ahead. They thought this was a layup, new coach, quarterback whose head were already in. He keeps talking about Ohio State singing their fight songs, the OHIO, in you know, in uh, in Norman. And you know, I I mean, I think everybody was shocked by this. And you know, college football needs chaos. It's what a lot of people feed off of within it. Last year we didn't really get it until Penn State beat Ohio State. Uh, it's funny that the way that that works, that Ohio State seems to be the epicenter of it and Urban Meyer really, uh, dating all the way back to our early years in college, the late aughts uh, when he was still at Florida and <laughs> right. the Tim Tebow years. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, interesting to see how this is all shaken up, how it will continue to do so. Uh, what everybody likes to say in the spin zone to an Ohio State fan is that when you won the national championship, you did this with Virginia Tech, you lost to them. Virginia Tech quickly faded away. Um, in that 2014 season, you guys came in there, throttled Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game, and made your way on up through the rankings. But you know, I, I, uh, I mean, it's it's a lot of looking into the, you know, the crystal ball, not the BCS right. trophy, but the, uh, you know, the mythical I, one. Um, yeah, but I, it, it's hard to see that this year with with a lot of the talent that's around the nation. I will say, though, I do think this is the positive, and this is something that I want to get into a little bit tonight, but Ohio State, it's, it's, this is not the end of the world for them, and it's also not the, the crown Oklahoma. While I do think Oklahoma deserves to be ranked number two, and while I do think Ohio State deserves to drop down in the rankings, this is why you play teams that are very, very good. Because if Ohio State wins the rest of their games, they're in the playoff. If Ohio State loses to a highly ranked team, they're probably still in the playoff if they have two losses. This is why the playoff is great, but it's also why scheduling difficult opponents early in the early in the season is so important in college football. Definitely. Right. And, I mean, I can't say more about this. I think, you know, and I'll give you an example. Let's talk about another game that happened this weekend, Clemson-Auburn. Huge. Huge, huge game. game. Now, Auburn is going to suffer from the loss, and I probably think that they're not going to win out anyway, so they probably won't go to the playoff. But if they had won this game, it gives them a better chance as a one-loss team to be in the playoff. So scheduling difficult opponents to start the season, and I know these schedules, you have to put them together years in advance, four or five years out. I understand, maybe maybe a little less, but scheduling teams that are big-time, big-five programs, that's important. And I think it shows the positivity to having some of these tough opponents. I mean, if we look at the standings, uh, Ohio State's ranked 8th, Florida State's ranked 11th, and Auburn's ranked 15th is coming into this week, and they all have a loss. Yep. No, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I think scheduling tough opponents early. I mean, Stanford's done the same thing. Um, Michigan you know, and Florida I think played week one. Yeah, Michigan and Florida, and, and we can debate about you know Florida and what we right. saw from them all we want. But, you know, it, it's, it does come back and help you out. It's, it's funny, though, that a lot of these early season games, and you hit the nail on the head, you know, right square on it, that you schedule these out so far, so far ahead in advance, thinking that this team will be good by the time that we actually play them or by the time that the, the reciprocal game, you know, at the other opponent's field – or the, the opponent's field, excuse me, uh, is played, and, and that's a tough game. And whereas you, you could lose a recruiting class, the coaching's change. Um, but Right, but I, see, here's the thing. I don't, I don't fault a team for playing, you know, I don't fault a team for playing somebody like, um, I don't know, um, West Virginia, um, Mississippi no. State. Teams that we know, even though they're not, Maybe they're not the best team four years down the road. They have a name attached to them. And oh, I don't, certainly. I, right. I don't want to say you need to go out and play name programs. That's not right. But you need to go out and play somebody that people will at least say, oh, they're not playing Georgia State. They're not playing yeah. you know, some random FCS school. By the way, I'm not poo-pooing playing a random FCS school. I think that's okay to do. But I think at some point you have to have a non-conference schedule 
that uh, pr provides you with the opportunity to play a big-time program. You know, USC is playing Texas. It's not USC's fault that Texas has been a burning trash heap for the past five years. You know, it's okay that they're playing Texas. It's a big-name program, and I don't – so I don't take anything away from USC. No. No, and you can't really. You're absolutely right. You can't take it away from them, but at the same time, at the end of the schedule, I'd rather – it, you know, USC now has a loss and you can look to it, you know, down the line uh, or USC is not, doesn't have a loss, excuse me. Um, but I was thinking of Ohio state, but, um, <laughs> but if, you know, say USC does lose the pack, they become the pack 12 champion. You look at a one loss, Ohio state, um, you, you know, that Texas win, if Texas continues to plummet, like they are, or like they look like they're going to, um, you know, it, it just becomes an interesting, you need to beat your opponent by enough, but not have them fall so far down that you need to right. have some type of, you know, grabbing their escape rope to make sure that they're not completely screwed so that your win isn't, you know, uh, you know, not of value by the time that it matters when the committee looks at you, which is where that debate of one conference versus the other or in the case, you know, if two com you know if two teams from a conference show that they could, you know, ultimately, you know, have the stuff to do it, you know, say an undefeated Wisconsin loses to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, you know, then you then you really have to look at the really dig into the schedule and and who they're playing and and how did you fare against these teams, and that was so, that's what makes the regular season so important and so great, and you know just just the way that everything gets constructed in terms of it. Uh, right. But I think you're right. The, the, the FCS games aren't necessarily, you know, terrible for your schedule. I don't like necessarily having the random November one. I think you could throw maybe the fourth week of September or week four, week five, and then kind of move into conference play. Let that happen. You know, maybe week eight at the latest, like how college basketball tries to do. Um, where the majority of your last 10 regular season games before your conference tournament are all within conference against presumably quality opponents. But I agree with you. Playing a team that you're paying half a million dollars, like we've seen Alabama, Florida State, all those different teams do, is not bad by any means. No, I mean, because you do need it's, – it's a nice opportunity, and I hate to say it's because every program is important, but it's, it's a nice opportunity to play, say, a, a preseason game. And by the way, it's also a nice opportunity for that program that you're playing. Potentially, they have a guy, and I'll give the example. Khalil Mack went to Buffalo, okay? And he played a couple games, and these guys were fantastically good. And he was super good against them, and that was the kind of game film that NFL teams took and said, oh, my God, this guy can play. Um, so I think it's an opportunity for non-FBS non or Power 5 schools to – have the opportunity to let their guys shine against great opponents. Yeah. So there, by the way, there is a Buffalo lot. is FBS though, just uh, for the record. Um, you're, I'm sorry. You're, yes. But I, no. but I, my, my point being, it, it's more than just the money. And I'm, I'm not saying it always happens, but there's opportunities for guys to flash on film for, oh, certainly. right. For, for big time programs. And I think the one guy that I thought was going to do it this year was the quarterback for um, Wyoming, Allen, who had a bad week one against a big time school. So, um, but I, I'm okay with one or two. I just think you've got to have at least a couple games against a decent team. And I've been really harping, and my brothers will tell you this, on Penn State 
because they're playing no one. They're playing Georgia State. They did play Pitt last weekend. Well, I was going to ask you that. Where in the in terms of scheduling do these old rivalries fit in? The Pitt Penn State being this classic Pennsylvania right. game. And I and I want to give credit to both Penn State and Pitt here. And I don't do this often because the the fun rivalry I have with my brothers, but Penn State Pitt is not Pitt is not a joke. They're not a joke. They beat Penn State no. Clemson last year. So I'm wrong for me to say that it that 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 Pitt hasn't 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 um hasn't beaten uh, that Clemson State, Penn State hasn't beaten anybody. I think the old rivalries are super important, though. I think they're incredibly important to the history of college football, and I don't think those should go away. So I think teams that have, have normally played each other should just schedule a game against each other every year, whether you know, or every other year. Um, so I'm okay with the old rivalries. I, I think it's fantastic, and I won't, I won't ever harp against the school for scheduling a rivalry like that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And how about Vegas calling it right on the dot? The line moved between 19 points and 21 and a half where it ended and Penn state wins by 19 points. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was tweeting like a degenerate saying, come on, let's not take a knee Penn state. Let's get a field goal. Let's cover. I wasn't putting any money on it, but I just want to be right for the blog. No, Always I got to be blogging. <laughs> I'll tell you what I, I want to make sure we cover um, a couple other things in college football. The one thing I want to note that I don't know why this is the case, I keep waiting for a team in the SEC to have success, and that's the Arkansas Razorbacks. Coached by Brett Bielham, who I've always thought was a quality college football coach, came from Wisconsin. Could he implement a Wisconsin football team in Arkansas? They got rocked by TCU 28-7. to Brett, when are you going to get on the bandwagon? When are you going to start being a great college football program? I was expecting the Razorbacks to be that really tough team that's ranked in the 20s or teens every year, that fights and battles and has a great running game and like is just almost good enough. And I haven't seen it from them. And I really thought this might be a good year for them. I, I just haven't seen it. So I thought that was kind of a game off the radar for a lot of people. That Yeah, it, it was an interesting game because – they let up those 14 points in the fourth quarter where it, it almost just seemed like they were trying to hold on, hold on, hold on, and then the entirety just caved in on in terms of how they were playing. Um, they didn't really get – like the, the score almost tries to fool you there that the, the offense didn't really kill them. Arkansas just couldn't put it away. The TCU defense just shut them down. Right. Um, and, and you're right, though, that, that ground and pound – that can't go away was almost there and it was almost good enough, but no cigar against the TCU team. That's actually looking pretty good. Um, their defense looks stellar. Surprisingly um, could be pretty good. If, uh, if Kenny Hill gets it together. Right. I was going to say, and they, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty fired up and they, they have a big matchup in a couple weeks um, against uh, Oklahoma state, which I'm excited to see kind of, cause Kenny, you're right. He's a, we talked about this. He's a wild card. I mean, he's had shown the, Flashes of being a fantastic player. Um, uh, so we'll see. Then And the Big 12, I know Oklahoma had a big win. They could be a dogfight, though, and I know we'll dive into that. Um, I also yeah, in the thought, coming weeks. Yeah. I also thought that um, Georgia beat Notre Dame, which I think will probably quiet down most of the Notre Dame love this year. Um, I wouldn't say it was a blowout by any means, but they still no. won. So now Notre Dame has a loss, and um, – but Georgia's a decent team. They're a team to watch out for as they grow under Kirby Smart, I really think. Um, Easton's a great quarterback. Nick Chubb out of the backfield. You know, they've always been a great program anyway, so we'll see what happens there. Um, 
that was another win that I thought was interesting this weekend. And what I, I was surprised about that I want to met, mention is Wisconsin versus Florida Atlantic. Wisconsin won and, and they won by 17 points. But that's sort of my point is that they, they won by just 17 points. You, you'd think, you know, Florida Atlantic, nobody to really write home about. Well, well uh, like, you have a running back who. I was going to say Lane Kiffin who, coaches there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Lane but, Kiffin coaches there, but. I mean, it's no, his first year there. I understand. He doesn't have his guys. Um, Jonathan Taylor had over 200 yards and, and three touchdowns, and and you walk away with 31 points. Um, certainly, that gets the job done in most college football games as it does here. Um, I just thought it was interesting that they didn't blow them out more, especially considering the performance from some of their players. No, right, right, right. Um, I would agree with that, though. I, I we, when we talked about the Big Ten, Big Twelve. I'm sorry, Big Ten. I'm sorry. We mentioned that we were a little concerned. Well, we we thought Wisconsin would win their division simply because the division is so down right now, and that the other the big other three teams are really over in the other side. So, um, you know, it would concern me though if you're Wisconsin, and although they are Wisconsin, and I when I think of Wisconsin team, I think of conservative football, running the football. So winning pound. By, right, so to them, maybe winning by 17 is, is kind of a blowout. Um, yeah. But no, I'm with you, though. But I don't, I don't necessarily think – right, they're probably – I mean, if there was a team you were going to pencil into a conference championship game outside of Alabama simply because of their dominance, Wisconsin would have to be up there because of what I, don't, I think is a porous rest of the conference in that regard. Sorry, division within the conference. Um, True. Yeah. I also thought that – USC rebounded very well. Yeah, against a, absolutely. Against a very talented and well-coached Stanford team. Definitely. Stan Darnold looked great. Uh, over 300 yards, four TDs. Uh, Deontay Be- uh, Burnett, though, he looks great. He looks yeah. like what I thought Nelson Aguilar was going to be as a rookie for the Eagles. Um, also a USC product for those not getting the connection. Um but, yeah, they, I agree with you. That's a great defense. We talked about it when we did the back 12 David Shaw, great coach, knows how to get it done, knows how to exploit these types of deals. Uh, a lot of people were talking about the Pete Carroll mega upset um, or the Pete Carroll mega upset by Jim Harbaugh. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really see that coming. But, yeah, a great win for the Tro- Trojans. They, uh, they move up in a lot of people's rankings to fourth. That's both an AP and a coach's. Um, and it's interesting how the rankings are, are, are going out, but I think we'll see in the coming weeks of how everything comes to be. Um, I think it, it's – I almost think the rankings at this point, at least up until the college football playoff rankings come out, are almost just for TV ratings. I right. mean, the AP and, and the coaches are, are – they're certainly valuable. They've always been valuable in terms of that, but – the college football playoff rankings, even those in the early bits, can be for TV ratings in terms of being able to say you have three versus four, like you did after the first poll with LSU and Auburn both being ranked up there, uh, when both clearly weren't going to be anywhere close to the four. Um, but yeah, um, let's look at week three, uh, see what, what matchups we are really keying into. We'll go into the full depth of you know picks and whatnot. Um, tomorrow in, in the blog. Check that out on, on the website, underblogsports.com. But, Matt, give me uh, your first matchup. What are you 
Well, my first matchup was actually one that's no longer going to be played. I was excited to see Miami versus Florida State this weekend. That's been postponed. Um, I'm going to talk about maybe a matchup that's kind of under the radar. Okay. Um, I'm really excited to see Illinois play number 22, South Florida. That's a good – that's a really good pick. Man, Illinois, not the team we remember them being. Uh, and South Florida with Charlie Strong is really coming on. I'm not going to use the word strong. They're coming on very well. Uh, they got their game last week to this past weekend postponed for, for the hurricane. I understand that. Um, I, I think it's an interesting game because South Florida is the kind of team that could crash a party. Probably won't, but they're at least in the rankings early on. So it's kind of a fun game um, to watch. Uh, so that probably be the one game that I think kind of off the radar beyond the big game, which I'm assuming you know, as we're going to talk about in a little bit here, um, sure. is coming up. But I also think that Illinois is coached by Lovey Smith, former NFL coach, great, great NFL coach, very good. I'd say good NFL coach. Can he bring any of that to Illinois? We haven't seen it yet, but that's kind of why I'm it, I'm intrigued by that game per se. Um, is yeah. So I, you know, we'll see what happens there. Sure. Yeah, and and no, that's a great pick with uh with South Florida, Illinois, and. And it's funny of how the American, you know, the the successor to the Big East, which used to be a BCS conference, really fallen off there. But I think you're right. I think Florida, South Florida is an entertaining story to watch, and how far they can go would be a lot of fun. Um, one I, I actually am really, really intrigued by, Oklahoma State Pitt. Uh, we talked about them with Penn State. Yeah. They're hosting the Cowboys at Heinz Field. 12 o'clock on ESPN, um, game that I think kind of coming back to scheduling and value of a lot of games, I think this could be a game that really is a marquee win schedule for for Oklahoma State. You go on the road, you're a double-digit point favorite, which almost makes me want to say take the home dog if you're betting this. Um, I think it's, it's a great environment, a great Great day for football Saturdays looking to be. Um, and, you know, I mean, it'll be fun to see Mason Rudolph, the rest of the Cowboys come into Pennsylvania and uh, do their thing. I think they win it outright, but it's that's a, t- that's a tough defense to uh, travel up to. Oh, I, I would agree. I, I also think the other game that people aren't talking about is number 23, Tennessee, and number 24, Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the traditional third Saturday in September. Those mm-hmm. uh, SEC rivalries have really creative names, don't they? They do. They do. That's really that's oh my God. Um, but I'll really tell Tennessee. you, they like the yeah. third Saturdays and months. <laughs> I'll tell you, I uh, that, that that's kind of an interesting game. I, I don't think necessarily know Florida's on the right track, but you know Tennessee has lost a lot of guys, so maybe one of those two teams can rebound in a big game. Although, man, obviously Tennessee started out the season well, but I really think the big game of the week is is Clemson Louisville. Um, the Clemson defense, which didn't get any credit last year, which was a shame, is is ridiculously good again and a fantastically awesome defensive line against arguably the best player in college football, Lamar Jackson, who racked up over 500-yard total offense last week. So I, I guess my question to you would be, can Lamar Jackson pretty much on his own do anything against that Clemson defense? So it's interesting that you ask that. Lamar Jackson himself already has over a thousand all-purpose yards on the season. 
He's actually at, uh, I believe, uh, 10-10 is the number that he rolls in at. Uh, Eight touchdowns between passing and running. Um, And then you got Jalen Smith, great receiver. Um, I think if he can space it out, you have a good shot. This one out. They're a three-point favorite right now. Traveling to Louisville, night game. Or I mean the the Tiger or the Clemson Tigers are three point favorite right. versus Louisville night game. Um, in terms of him doing by itself, I don't think he could do it all alone. You need to get Smith involved. You need to spread it out just a bit. It's swallowed up early. It's going to be a long night if he can't get it out of that can uh, out of that collapse pocket. No, I would agree. I don't know if there's enough. Um, that's the way I would look at it. I don't know if there's enough in. Uh, in Louisville's beyond Lamar Jackson. I know he's a fantastic player, but Clemson, they're, they're, they're a special team. They're the national champions. I mean, wow, they can really play. So I'm with you. I, I, uh, I'm not sure they're going to have enough either, but if Lamar Jackson can pull it out, if he can have a cut, even if, honestly, his stats don't even need to be that good. If he wins this game for Louisville, though, to me, he's my Heisman favorite. I, I would say that right now, if I had to put my gun to my head, I know it's early, but Baker Mayfield will get my vote. But Lamar Jackson has to be close too. We've got some other guys floating around in there as well. Josh Rosen, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold, um, you know, a couple other quarterbacks. So, um, once again, quarterback heavy as usual. <laughs> but um, It's funny we say that, though, because we, we always think the quarterback is going to do really well. Uh, and, of course, we've had Leonard Fournette in the last couple of years as an early running back. But there's always that one running back who kind of sneaks into the race. Some of them have won it. Derrick Henry, of course, a couple years ago, um, which you know we might not see the guy right now playing to Heisman caliber. But it's always funny that it's so early. It's the quarterback, and we want it to be that traditional, traditional style. Or and then there's a defensive player who jumps in. Um, so it's it's crazy how the Heisman race you know ultimately ends up. And that's that's sort of the fun part about college football. When we were talking, or when you were talking about the uh, Florida Tennessee game, it, it made me think about. We talked about games last year that were between unranked opponents that actually ended up having huge impacts. The Penn State Minnesota game last year being one I thought of. This is almost the anti that game. Uh, we both thought that Florida might be able to do something, and Tennessee might be able to do something, but this could be a game is between ranked opponents and is almost inconsequential to really any sort of race, which I just wanted to make that point um, for that game. But I, I think coming back to Clemson-Louisville, this is certainly one that won't – if Louisville pulls it out, then, I mean, they're really on a fast track to the ACC championship. And it would be interesting to see that, how everything goes, because Clemson then has to play their way out of this. Florida State, not really a fact anymore because of losing DeAndre Francois. Um, interesting to see. Saturday night will be a lot of fun. I, I, I'm tending to agree with you, though, that, um, you know, that too much, I think. All I right. think he still has a great chance to be invited to New York. I don't know if he ultimately pulls it out because the voters don't seem to want to have the uh, two-time Heisman. The two-time Heisman winner, yeah. But we'll see. You know, we'll see what they ultimately decide. And, and this weekend will certainly 
have a massive, massive impact on the rest of the season. Um, most worth noting that our boys, both in maize and blue and in brown and white, uh, maize and blue should win. Brown and white need to win. They are zero to the Lehigh Mountain Hawks, but the maize and blue playing Air Force uh, no, no, definitely way, not a pushover. I don't think. I mean, Air Force has always had a decent team. Yeah, um, military appreciation game at the big house for those that uh, you know are going to the game, uh, but. Yeah, I agree with you, though. Uh, quick, Just quick on that. Wilton Spate looked better last week, but I think this could be a game that, that could help him rebound. Yeah. No, I mean, that would be big. He he really hasn't been that – and that offense of Ty Isaac Renfrew, they haven't been – not that we expected them to be superstar-like, but they have struggled a little bit. Thankfully, they're sure. playing opponents that haven't had an offense that – and the Michigan defense is great again. Oh, I think yeah. the positive oh, here, yeah. The positive here is that Michigan is setting themselves up to have the opportunity to kind of grow this offense into the bigger games in their schedule. You know, they 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 play Michigan State, but I don't really count them. But the really, to me, their their first. I don't want them to overlook Michigan State or Indiana, by the way. But their first big game is num- against number five ranked Penn State at Penn State on the twenty first of October. Oh, so, yeah. um, and that will be a big time showdown. There's a potential, most likely, both being undefeated going into that game, and that could really determine a little bit of the race. Obviously, nothing is bigger than the last game of the season, but um, that's a big time game right there for for everybody, and that will really be it. And actually, I'll tell you, this is going to be Penn State's issue as Penn State plays. Michigan, and then the next weekend they play at Ohio State. So yeah, they, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That's a tough turnaround. Brutal. So they could either be the cream of the crop of the of the Big Ten, or they could be looking at not even making you know the title game in in two weeks. Um, so that'll be that'll be particularly important for them. And those are really their two big games in the schedule. To be honest, that's pretty much going to decide their season. They don't play Wisconsin, um, and so. Wow, that could be a big time football game. But um but yeah, I mean I'm excited for week two of college football. Week three of college football, excuse me. Oh yeah. But I think I'm even more excited for week two of the National Football League this year. Oh yeah. The NFL is back. And before we get to to week two, let's look back at week one quickly. Uh-huh. I'm sure you've probably all heard all the analysis that you need, but you or almost all, I should say, because we need to hear from the Matty D on week one. Matt, what did you think having Red Zone back, watching the <laughs> Eagles, being able to sit on your couch and just veg out? Well, pig out. We're gonna, you know, we we all ate chicken wings. We all drank a lot of beer. Matt, what was your week one experience like, and what are you thinking? Overreaction week. And I love it. Every year it's the same way. I heard some very intelligent huge, individuals huge take. claim that the Chiefs are the team to beat. Kareem Hunt's a once-in-a-generational running back. Alex Smith is good to go. The nope. Patriots are no longer a dynasty. Um, nope. You know, uh, the Ravens look like the cream of the crop in the, a- in the AFC uh, North. Um, 
you know, Seattle's done for. Green Bay is fantastic. The Giants are 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 kaput. Uh, Dallas. I mean, these calm it down. First of all, and the other trend, I think everyone said this, but the lack of offensive line ability. It's not just offenses. What I saw was a lot of issues with the offensive line where because they don't play a lot together in the preseason, they're missing protections. And I think one of the things that a lot of just people that don't watch the NFL enough or don't look in the right places, understanding why and why offensive lines do what they do is so important. There's a reason the quarterback goes up to the line every play and yells out that 54 is the mic. That's a protection designation for the offensive line and how they shift. And we see it in college, but we shouldn't see it in the NFL, where offensive linemen miss assignments and allow free rushes to the quarterback. Yep. And I saw way too many offensive line miscommunications, things that should easily be cleaned up in the preseason but aren't because they don't play. And I understand, I mean, you don't want to lose guys, but I would expect week two to see some offenses that we thought would be good be better and to see some defenses that had great week ones to kind of regress slightly. Now I say that while it's 3-3, Houston-Cincinnati on Thursday night, you know, at the, at the, at the end of the half, but I, I think don't overreact. The only reason to overreact are the injuries that you've seen in week one, such as Allen Robinson for the Jaguars, who had a surprise dominant victory over the Texans. Um, obviously everyone knows if you play fantasy, David Johnson going down in the, uh, for the Cardinals who I don't even know are that good, but <laughs> Seeing all these guys get injured is really what's important. I mean, a lot of the NFL is a war of attrition. Who gets hurt, who doesn't get hurt. But um, I think I, – I don't believe the first two weeks of the season are where you win a playoff spot. You can, you can lose it. Going 0-2 is not a good start to your season. But I think it's where yeah. we kind of figure out where teams stand. And, I mean, we can, we're going to obviously discuss in a moment some big games coming up in week two and also where some teams stand, but don't, don't write off teams like the New York giants or, no. um, you know, or the lackluster performances from the Falcons or the Steelers um, or the saints getting beat up in Minnesota or even the LA chargers losing to the Broncos on, on a late Monday night game there. And, and the Rams aren't going to win the NFC West. So don't overreact. But there is a lot to learn in one week. So I was impressed with some people, unimpressed with others. But overall, week two, three, and four are really where we're going to find out which teams have it and which teams don't. Definitely agree. And I have a couple follow-up questions. Okay. For one, a follow-up point, on your offensive line, not playing a ton in the preseason, I think another thing that, that really has impacted a lot of the NFL is how – We've seen, and you see this a lot with the Eagles, teams that'll recycle their defensive tackles, defensive end, their linebackers a lot more. So you see them get a lot more reps, and they're a lot more rested um, in terms of being able to do that. They know how to play together. They know how to shift. They know put their stunts into play. Um, mm -hmm. not, that the, not that the offensive line not playing together isn't important because it certainly is. But I think seeing guys like Fletcher Cox, who did get a lot of reps in the preseason, having guys come in for him and, and move around. I'm using the Eagles as an example here. But you see that experience get into play, whereas with the offensive line, because ironically it's the more defensive of the two sides of the ball in the trenches, 
uh, where you want to be a little more protective of those guys. And especially when you're moving them in, you're trying to figure out who you're going to keep, who you're not going to keep in terms of backups. Um, Cause you can't, you shouldn't carry as many of them. Um, that that's certainly the, the point there. Um, question for you though, speaking of the Rams and winning the, you know, everybody, the hot take of winning the, the NFC West, are they the best week one team that we have seen in the last like five years? So remember <laughs> they beat like the Seahawks once they tied the Seahawks that one year, or they almost did. Um, they want, they killed the Colts, even though that was really easy to see. I mean, they're like, I, I need to do a little digging because uh, the question literally popped into my head, but they might be one of the best week one teams we've seen in like the last five years. That's I, Yes. And I just, I think that just proves the point of the fact that week one means nothing. It just means oh, yeah. nothing in the general, in the overall. And I, I just struggle when, you know, and I, I'm once again, I, but God, I mean, I I think week one is such an overreaction for NFL teams, you know, and I, it's almost like, and I heard, I heard who said it today. I heard somebody, it's, it's essentially an, a continuation of the preseason is week one of the NFL. That's what they said. Yeah, I mean, you I can agree. Lose, right. You can lose week one and be perfectly fine. By the way, Deshaun Watson just showed off why he's got some athleticism and just had a, uh, forty-nine-yard run for a touchdown, and just to end the second half. Um, but moving so 10-3 Texans over the Bengals, and what may end up being a meaningless game anyway, because both teams look awful. So, um, yeah, I, man, that's a great point you made. The other point I thought that was interesting that you just made is the rotation of defensive lines in no. the NFL. This is a great point. The offensive lineman, you are expected to play every single snap. Because I think the Eagles only have like eight on their roster. Right. And five play at once, sometimes mm-hmm. six, sometimes they bring in an extra. Mm-hmm. But they have eight. And there's like right. how many defensive – there's like eight defensive tackles. And you know what? The, the, the thing that's so amazing about that is people always talk about how guards aren't as valuable as tackles or even centers. But you're playing next to that guy every game, every snap. Wide receivers are all over the field. Running backs are by themselves. You, you know, having a guard that you know what exactly he's going to do on every play next to you, you know how he operates. It's why there's chemistry in every sport, such as NHL lines. You know, uh, your offensive line, center wingers play together, uh, NBA backcourts. While understanding how someone's going to play next to you, so you can't really switch out linemen as easy as you can defensive linemen. Because defensive linemen have specific roles, pass rushers, run stoppers. So you can rotate through that a lot easier than you can offensive lines. And I think it's difficult to find good offensive linemen because a lot of times young kids who are starting up in the league don't come, they don't want to be offensive linemen. It's not glamorous. You don't get the accolades or praise. So, I mean, arguably the best offensive lineman this past decade has been, um, um, oh my God, this is the worst, the worst mind. Blank I've ever had. Plays for the Browns, Jordy. Left tackle. Oh, my God. Jordy, who plays left tackle for the Browns? This is Oh, my God. This is the worst thing ever. No, he's like the best offensive lineman in football. I'm having a mind blank. Yeah, Joe Thomas. I said oh, that before. I'm sorry. I missed that. I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you. Your mic was on mute. Yeah, I was you know, on mute. Yeah. I, blame, I blame the producer 
uh, JSB Jerry in the background there. He's not producing this show very well whatsoever. Oh, damn. oh, Matt. Oh, God damn it. You know, I, I just, I was all caught up in it. I like both the Cubs and the Pirates. So I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on with the baseballs. And, and I don't know why the Pirates aren't, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's not playing the football well. Uh, Jerry, I don't Jerry, know, man. Jerry, I mean, it's down, Thunder Cup. Calm, calm down. This isn't a baseball podcast. No. Um, oh, man. Oh, no man. Problem. I don't know. Has probably been the best offensive lineman in football. And if you don't closely follow football, you probably have no idea who he is. High pick out of, out of Ohio State. Should probably be in another team by now because they could use the picks there in Cleveland even they have the most. But, no, I, I think that's a great point you make, that the rotation of defensive linemen also hurts offensive linemen. They've got to play more. And we've got up-tempo offenses to do a lot of pass blocking, which means the offensive linemen are reacting, not proactively blocking. The, like, you know, when, a, when there's a run play, you're proactively engaging the, de- the defense. When you're pass blocking, you're dropping back and allowing the defender to, to – you're allowing the defender to, to dictate your action. I think that's a, those are all, called pass blocks and run blocks right, for uh, right. But something, the but just the you know I understand. But the way I you know watching a Von Miller come at you, understanding he can go left, right, spin, knock you over, is a lot different than a lot different than engaging a, a undersized Von Miller in the run game. I'm not saying Von Miller is a bad run defender, but um, I would say. I would say some teams really impressed me for reasons that weren't just because they won or lost. And some teams showed me that it's week one. Who's you your know? top impressive team? I I really think, and this is, I mean, they're easy to pick. I was really impressed with the Green Bay Packers because Aaron Rodgers went against what I think is a historically, could be a historically good defense in Seattle. I mean, they have, every position's got a guy right now. Aaron Rodgers did just enough to beat them. I know it was at home. And also, the Packers' defense, and I know Seattle doesn't have much of an offensive line, but the Packers' defense has been a real weakness. But they not only troubled Russell Wilson, they bottled him up. He didn't really allow him to scramble. I was very impressed with the Packers, and I don't think they're getting enough love this week. Do Do you have a team that you thought kind of stepped out of the shadows and was kind of blew you away? I'll tell you, um, I, I was actually pretty impressed by the Vikings. I know we said don't be scared about what happens with the Saints. Uh, I thought their defense looked fantastic. The fact that you held Drew Brees, one of the perennial passers in NFL history, to almost not throwing a touchdown pass until the very end of the game. The fact that you held him to that and the fact that you – stalled out, I think it was three drives in the red zone, four overall the result for field goals. You know, you stepped up big. That defense has been good, and we weren't sure if they would take a step back or not this year. Uh, But Sammy Sleeves, you know, we we and I talked about this offline, but he looked great there. Uh, He really utilized Stefan Diggs. I thought that run game looked really good. Dalvin Cook live was pretty fun to see. Jarek McKinnon actually played like we thought he was going to when Adrian Peterson got hurt last year. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and did a good job returning the ball too. Um, but yeah, they were, they were a team I was pretty impressed by. Um, the I was, I was also a big fan of watching the Jaguars come out. Um, Fournette, really just Leonard Fournette and seeing him and that defense play. We knew the defense was going to be pretty good, but 
Leonard Fournette in the NFL, um, you know, he talked a lot of big game in college saying, I thought it was going to be a lot faster, um, but that's the preseason. And seeing him come out and, and get 100 yards rushing right away, um, I, I was pretty excited to see that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm there too. I was actually a little shocked by the Jaguars, all the emotion in Houston, although their offense is pitiful. Yeah, that J.J. Um, Watt intro is – that's, that's some powerful cool. stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I do think that looking into the crystal ball for this week, we've got some games to try to show some teams, um, you know, where we're kind of standing. And I would say the game I'll start with for this week would be Phil. I mean, Philadelphia, Kansas City has to fascinate you as a football fan because Kansas City's coming off the huge win against the defending champs on their big celebration night, and. So everyone's anointing them. And Philadelphia, our, our Eagles had a great game against Cleveland. Although I think it was, the more I look into the game, I don't know if it was a great game. I think it was a great win. I don't think that everybody played as well as we think they did. But another impressive game. That's a pretty big showing at 1 o'clock in Arrowhead. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a, a big uh, statement game for both teams. Casey coming off the huge win and being annoyed in the uh, the new not Kings but the almost the King Slayers and this new high house of the AFC West um, you know almost putting the 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 Raiders on watch if you will um, but yeah I think with the Eagles you're right the offense did look good at times the running game I think needs to be utilized a little more and open right. some things up. Um, the defense really had a strong comp- – they came out strong. They finished very strong. The middle of the game was okay to me. Um, I think a lot of great pieces that just aren't entirely complete. I was satisfied with the win, but I need a little more, and, and this will certainly show that. It will show where the flaws are, where big balls Doug needs to focus a little bit and where they need to fine-tune. but. This will certainly open up some uh, some eyes for you know both sides, the Eagles fans and the Chiefs fans. No, absolutely. Uh, I think another great game to watch is the team that the Chiefs beat, New England, New Orleans, which should pretend – I think has the real potential to be a track meet. Yeah, um, I was about to say that's going to be a shootout. Yeah, that's another fantastic matchup. Um, both teams really needing a victory. I think New Orleans more than New England – not that a lot of teams that start 0-2 um, go on to make the playoffs, but New England's division looks like absolute garbage with the Jets and Bills and most likely the Dolphins. So they've got a better chance than, they, than New Orleans does in a stacked division. But that's another fascinating game. And by the way, you mentioned this team, and I honestly kind of even half missed they were playing, but Minnesota and Pittsburgh, that is a great-looking matchup on paper. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch. That's a 1 o'clock game right on Fox, and – uh, yeah, we might, we, we're going to miss it because the Eagles also being on Fox with the, um, NFC away games. Um, but yeah, I mean, a great defense in, in Pittsburgh that'll see a good offense and a good running back, a good, or at least a showing good quarterback, um, versus the Browns. You can make <laughs> all the jokes you want to about Cleveland, leaves. but Antonio Brown came out very strong last week. He, Somehow didn't come away with a touchdown. I don't know how that happens. He had 182 yards and 11 catches and no touchdowns. 
I don't know how that happens. Yeah, there's a first but, for everything, right? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but Le'Veon Bell, I think, is that matchup versus the Minnesota defense. So we already talked about that. He didn't have a very strong strong showing last week uh, against that Cleveland defense that you can you know, make all the jokes you want to about Cleveland. Um, but we'll see how he does against a, a very, very strong Minnesota D. Oh, right, right. And I think this is a once again, there's a lot of good matchups this weekend. How about Dallas-Denver? Let's yeah. see if Dallas, let's see if Dak and Zeke have a little sophomore magic against what I think is still a immensely elite Denver defense. I think this really does come down to Zeke, though, because I think that no-fly zone in Denver, where they gave a couple late touchdowns to Phillip Rivers, but, man, they can just play the pass as good as any team in the NFL. Yeah, and we'll get to the Sunday and Monday night games. One other game that I'm actually pretty excited for to see just just how both of these teams come out in week two, the Titans and the Jaguars, which is oh. usually a write-off of a game. It's usually the Thursday night, I think, the guys from pardon my take call it the toilet bowl. Um, <laughs> but it's, I mean, the Jaguars looked good last week. The Titans actually looked pretty good. They lost to the Raiders at home, but this could be an interesting game. I think the Jaguars probably still come away with it. Um, even you, though Tennessee's favored. You're taking um, the Jaguars. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I like Leonard Fournette a lot. That is a dead man's last words right there. Yeah, it's I, I I don't know. We'll come back if uh you know if we want to do the locks now, we'll uh we'll start those in a few minutes. I think they could. Well, we, um, we we can start. We can walk right through the locks if you'd like. Yeah, if we uh you know <laughs> let's look at the last two games and then okay. we'll come back. All right, all right, I got you. For the locks. We're talking about the uh what what the last two games? We're talking about Sunday night, Monday Sunday night. Sunday night, Monday night. Sunday okay. night, the Packers wow. and the Falcons. Wow, right. <laughs> Yeah, I think easily the best game. And the funny thing about this, Matt, is that this isn't a game that NBC got to flex so that they clearly beat out Monday Night Football. This is a game that NBC was just like, we're getting this. This is our game. We know it's going to be good. Um, This has got to be, in terms of like just everything about this game, and it's in Atlanta, in their new stadium, and so we're not going to – I mean, as much as I love watching games in Lambeau, it's going to be a track and field kind of matchup against two of the best offenses, I think, in football. And Atlanta is going to show us if Matty Ice has another great season. And we all know what we're going to get from Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Just another – this game, I'm hoping it's high scoring, although I think both defenses are better than most people think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, Yeah, the over-under set at 40 40- – or 54 and a half, which I'm just perusing through the other scores here. The only one that I'm seeing that's higher than that is New England and and uh and uh New Orleans. All in right, the Super all Dome. right, all right. Uh yeah, and um, but that should be a lot of fun. Uh I'm excited to see how how Matty Ice does against against that defense. Uh and and Mr. Rogers with with uh all of his neighbors. He'll uh, he'll do well. No, but Monday night be... football, you got the Giants going to MetLife, the or the Lions, excuse me, going to MetLife to face the Giants. I think it's a big bounce back game for New York. Uh, Matt Stafford looks strong. It's the Matt Stafford that we're used to, the fantasy quarterback that just fucking slings it. 
But uh, I think Derply and the the New York Football Giants come away with a big, big bounce back. Hmm. That would be important for them. I really think of all the teams week two that need to have a winning showing, I would say Giants, you're right. I think they're way up there on that list. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, Detroit, people weren't giving – maybe and I, maybe I missed them a little bit too, but um, people weren't giving them enough credit. I know they won a lot of close games last year, last year but they kind of came out and right, we'll see what happens with Arizona, but they made a big-time statement. I'm very impressed. Definitely. All right, so let's move into the fan favorite, Cold Hard Locks, Matty D versus the G-Man. We have, this year, we've moved to against the spread. And last week, Matt, we tied. We went nine and six, which I think for our first go at it, not a bad showing at all. No, I would agree. And it's tough week one, right? I mean, there's, two, yeah. there's games that I picked that I thought were mortal locks, and they turned out not being such as the Thursday night game. Um, yeah, I think well, we both agreed just, on that. Let's just start right away. I know the game is already going on. I actually had the Cincinnati Bengals winning tonight over Houston. I thought that offense would bounce back. It is 10-6 at halftime. Houston is up. Um, 10-6, by the way, late field goal there. But what do you guys think? What, I mean, Jordy, what, what were your thoughts on tonight's game, and who do you think is going to end up winning this one? So I had the Texans. I thought they were going to win outright. I thought Andy right. Dalton looked terrible last week uh and and not do he's doing okay this week he he isn't obviously throwing a touchdown nine for 14 getting aj green involved he's already got 64 yards um i thought at least the line i believe it was four points was an easy you know if the bengals win it's a it's a close win um you know win by a field goal but i think that texans defense I think it's better than the Ravens. I don't think it's possible to do better than what the Ravens did last week. But you know, <laughs> if the the water's finding its level for Baltimore, I think Tech, you know, Houston goes a little bit above that, and that's why I picked Houston for this game. No, right, I, and I think it's close to a toss up. I think both teams really underwhelmed Week One. Um, we'll see what happens in the second half. Maybe we'll see a little offense. Although there's never nothing ever wrong with a good defensive showdown. Oh, definitely. Yeah, let's jump right to the Sunday 1 o'clock games, and I'll go – probably I think we both go the same way on this. Browns at the Ravens. Who do you got? Yeah, so the the Ravens are an eight-point favorite here at home. Interestingly enough, the over-under is set at 39 points. Uh, so, so not really expecting a lot of scoring, and, and you're not really expecting on the Cleveland end of it. I think the Ravens definitely win, and I think they barely cover. I think they win by 10 points. Hmm. I, I did think the Browns were pretty impressive week one against the Steelers, but I really like this Ravens squad. I know they lost Danny Woodhead, but that defense – West looked great. I, right, and that defense can flat out play. So I'm going to go Ravens covering, as you did as well, um, in what I think is a big victory for them um, and because they're going to have to keep racing this division. Uh, now, game number two in the 1 o'clock slate, I've got here Bills-Panthers, and I'll let you know right now. Panthers, 7.5 points, 43 under, over under. I think the Panthers easily win. I don't like anything about the Bills. I don't like their wide receiver core. I don't like their quarterback. The only thing I like is their, is their running back in, in, in cut and dimes, cut on dime, LaShawn McCoy. I think the Panthers win easily at home, and they can kind of go ahead and nuzzle their way in there to saying, hey, by the way, don't forget about us. We can play good football. 
I agree with you. I think they win. I think they cover. Uh, I think they shut down Buffalo, kind of like what we were talking about before with with Lamar Jackson. LaShawn McCoy needs to get the needs to get everything spread out. If that doesn't happen and Tyrod Taylor gets really roughed up quick, which I think is what's going to happen, uh, it's not going to be a lot of offense for Buffalo, especially on the road at a Carolina team that you know wants to show that we're not the 2016 Panthers or the 2015 Panthers. Panthers yeah. win cover on the Cardinals and the Colts is what I got next. Arizona, a seven-point road favorite as the Colts open up their home slate at Lucas Oil Stadium. I think Arizona pulls that off, um, and I think this line is is pretty bad. Um, they're going to cover, and I, I think it's going to be a, a big cover. Well, this is a great – if you're the, if you're a Cardinals fan – Great opportunity week two. You lose David Johnson. You play a surprisingly tough opponent, and then you're going to go ahead and get what I think is right now the worst team in football. Yep. I, I and, and by the way, Andrew Luck comes back. They're automatically not even top five worst teams in football. But without him, they have they have got I don't nothing. They've I mean by the way, I really like T Y Hilton. I think he's a great receiver in this league, a very good receiver in this league. I like Dante Moncrief, Jack Doyle, um, but they Who's don't. They just the ball. right. They don't. I don't. But and the defense, they've really got nothing going on for me. I'm I'm with you. I'm taking the Cardinals. Um, I don't love the Cardinals by any stretch, but I'm with you. I think they've got to cover that that touchdown spread. If they don't, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, now you kind of tilted your cards here a little bit. But the next game, we're going to go Titans visiting a damp um, Jacksonville Jaguars. One team coming in 0-1, one team coming in 1-0. Probably the opposite of what some people thought. I really I really like the Titans, though. I, I'm not sold on Jacksonville after one good performance, so I'm going to have to go full-on. Titans win and they cover the. It's a two. It's a two. Yeah, it's point, only a two point spread. Right. It's basically a pick 'em. Right, and uh, I and I gotta go. It's I gotta go. Titans for me. I really like what they've got going on. I thought they had a great game against the Raiders, even though they lost. Yeah, I I, I do like the Titans a lot. Um, and and I actually I feel like it's a big pick 'em. I did tilt my cards though. I'm gonna say the Jags come out, take a early home win, um, still stay somewhat hot. Um, Blake Bortles didn't look terrible last week, so we'll we'll see how he goes. This could easily be a throwaway pick for me, though. But I'm going to go Jacksonville. All right. Oh no. I mean, look, I, they had a great week one. I will see if they can continue it. They're going to come back to what happened to be a uh, a tough ish, ish situation with the hurricane coming. Maybe they've got some energy that the Houston Texans didn't have. Um, next matchup, we already talked about it: Eagles Chiefs. Chiefs are only a five-and-a-half-point favorite. Who do you got going on there? Yeah, Come on, so it's do interesting. it. Do it. Do it. Oh, I want to. Uh, it's an interesting It's interesting how this plays. I don't think Alex Smith plays nearly as well as he did against the Pats, um, partially because you know the he played out of his mind. He threw for almost 400 yards um, and four touchdowns, and, and that's shocking for the Patriots. It would be – not as shocking for the Eagles because they they could get thrown over quickly, but 
it's Alex Smith we're talking about. He doesn't really throw over as much as you uh, might expect there. Um, I do think the Chiefs win. I don't think they cover, though. So in terms of the the, the ATS, I'd pick the Eagles. Okay. I think it's like a field goal game. But Chiefs win. They don't cover. I'm with – I really want to pick my birds. And, you know, I normally do. But I, I also have to say the Chiefs at home – and with extra days of preparation because they played Thursday. And I love Andy Reid after a bye week. Essentially, that's what I'll claim it to be here. I'm with you. I've got to have to go Chiefs. But I, I like it. I like saying that the, I think the Eagles cover and being they, they lose by a field goal or something you know similar to that. Well, you take the Eagles with the points. I take the Eagles with the points, but I take the Chiefs winning the football game. Yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah. right. The next game, once again, I'm surprised this is only a 1 o'clock game. This seems like a game that should be played late. Uh, but a little of a track meet, Patriots-Saints. Patriots, six-and-a-half point favorites, which I think is actually really generous. And 56 points is the over-under, which yeah. is wild. I'm going Patriots all the way. I think they're better than they showed Thursday night. Um, I think it's close. Uh, I actually think the Patriots cover, though. They get over that six-and-a-half point favorite. Um, and I think the – you know what? I would say, though, we say it's going to be a blowout. I wouldn't be blown away, though, if if it's a lower-scoring game than we let on. So I think it's going to be a huge, huge scoring game. We've seen the Saints have this before where they've had, you know, the bigger armed quarterbacks come, in, come down south. They come to, to Nolens, as they like to call it. I think the Patriots win. They cover, and much like a matchup against the Giants a couple years ago, this game hammers the over. I wouldn't be surprised to see TB come out with like five or six TDs, Drew Brees with like four. Just this nutty, wild-scoring game, and that over-under gets hammered Mm. over. Uh, You know, I can't deny that you have two Hall of – first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks playing – and I'm a big fan of it. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and then we so already talked. Got, Good. I was going to say, I have Viking Steelers next. And yeah, you're right. We already talked about this a lot. Pittsburgh, five and a half point favorite. And that's a that's a tough line. I think they get it done just barely. I think they win by a touchdown. Okay. I, um, I got to go Steelers too. I'm just not a Bradford believer yet. I know. I don't know why I don't like him. I mean, they were talking about why does why does Philly not like him? I don't know. I just think he's been traded a lot of times, and you don't trade a very good quarterback that many times. I understand there were circumstances around it, but I've got the Steelers too. I think the offense wakes up at home. I think that Martavius Bryant finally does something, whether it's a touchdown or maybe a long pass. That and then you know Le'Veon Bell, he's got to do something as well, right? So yeah, we'll, we'll, it's like he gave himself a suspension, right? <laughs> So we'll see there. Um, I'll tell you what; it should be a great game over the weekend. I, but I don't. I, I think they cover too. Um, how about a, an interesting game? The no play Buccaneers are playing the Bears at in Tampa. I don't know about you. It's a seven point line for the Bucks. Over under forty four. I know the Bears gave the Falcons trouble, but they're going on the road, and now Tarek uh, is no longer. A surprise. I'm going Bucks, and I'm going winning by ten. So I've got them on the over. I have them. I have them hit, hitting the line as well. I have them at, by a two touchdown favorite. Uh, I think 
Jameis Winston is ready to play. He's itching to go. Uh, and I and I think it's uh, it's an easy win for them. Two touchdowns, Bucks. We move to the 4 p.m. slate, though. We start with another team that has not yet to play. The Miami Dolphins starting on the road against the Los Angeles Chargers, opening up their Los Angeles home in the MLS stadium that they play in the StubHub Center, which sounds like where the Clippers moved, um, although they still play in the Staples Center in real life. Matt, what do you got for this? The Clippers, or the Chargers, excuse me. LAC has thrown me off this entire preseason. Um, I, I still love them. I do. Yeah. I, I love them. I think they're winning. I don't love Jay Cutler enough yet. I, I, I agree it's, 100%. It's almost unfair for the Dolphins. They're opening up at home, and I think they're going to have I, I about, sorry, a unique home field advantage, uh, a, a, a comfy kind of um, off, off, off-site location they're playing in. I love the Chargers still this year. I thought they almost were going to win that game. There's a block. I mean, I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers covering. I like a lot of things about the Chargers, so I've got to go Chargers in this one. And everybody is happy, by the way, this game is being played because the Dolphins have fantasy players that I need back. The Buccaneers have fantasy players I need back. So I'm very excited to see both the Bucs and the Dolphs play. The next game in that 4 o'clock slate, Jets-Raiders. Raiders are my cold, hard pick em lock of the week. They're oh, yeah. 13, Easy survivor pick. Oh, Easy survivor and pick. A half point favorite at home. Uh, and I think everybody liked what we saw from them last week. They're, they've got to be a lock. I don't, like, I don't like anybody the Jets are putting on the field right now, save for Leonard Williams, maybe Jamal Adams. But they're, they're totally out of their league against a fantastically good Raiders team. And, oh, my God, what just happened? The Indians, I'm sorry, they just tied it up, dude, in the ninth, bottom of the ninth inning. Woo! All I'm right. sorry, I just got an alert on my phone. I had to point it out. Sorry. By the way, Indians going for a record win here, just tied it up. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Baseball, still relevant, baby. So going back to football. <laughs> well, quick plug. Uh, We're going to be doing a live pod tomorrow night of the bullpen cart. So uh, stay tuned for that over the weekend, all you baseball it. fans. But, love yeah, it. I agree with you. This game – Weird line, uh, and quickly on the Dodge, the Dolphins Chargers. I think that's a, a terrible line. You don't know what the hell you're getting out of Jay Cutler. Uh, it's an easy, I mean, if you're going to go on terms of ATS, that's an easy lock to go over. Um, I agree with you. This is the easy survivor pool pick. Um, you know, you don't have to beat the spread in that, even though it's 13 and a half points. And I think Derek Carr slams the over. That defense doesn't look good. Marshawn Lynch, despite not getting a touchdown yet in his uh, post-retirement run, no pun intended there, um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how Derek Carr together. Uh, Michael Crabtree yet with yet for a touchdown reception. Uh, I think they hammer the over though. No, I'm, I, yeah, I I could not. I mean that that defense, Khalil Mack will feast on Josh McCown or. Christian um, Sackenberg or Bryce Petty, whoever. Um, I think that rolls into probably our best game of the 4 o'clock slate, Cowboys-Broncos. Cowboys are actually a a two-and-a-half point favorite on the road, which I think is ridiculous against the Broncos team that we know is loaded at defense and showed a lot of flashes on offense, and they're going to play a Cowboys defense that didn't even get tested week one. 
So I'm I've got Dallas. I mean, I've got Denver beating this beating the line. The spread is 42 and a half. I don't even have it getting there. I think this is a low-scoring defensive showdown. I the Broncos. under. Yes, Ooh, I'm going Matt under. Mm-hmm. Oh I man, I so. I, I could so. see that though. I could see it. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Dallas two and a half point road favorite. I think that's an easy. You take Denver with the points and outright win. Um, the over unders is intriguing because to realistically think about that, folks, that's six touchdowns and extra points. So you're saying, are they going to get more than that? Is it going to be, you know, 24, 21 that's over. Um, so if we're going to do a quick over under on 42 and a half. Yeah. I could see it being under, I could see it being 24, 14 or something like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how everything goes with, with the Cowboys. Um, Going on in the off the off the field stuff, uh, but yeah, that Denver defense looks looks great, and it's yeah. it's hard not to pick them both yep. outright and with the points. But Redskins Rams, um, <laughs> it's a two and a half point favorite, and and uh, Washington I think bounces back a little bit here, but I, I don't think they get it done on the road. I, I'm gonna tell you, you tell me before the season the Rams to start the season two and zero. Oh, I told you you're crazy. But I've got the Rams, and I, that line's a, a kind of a, a crap pick'em line. So I've got the Rams covering by maybe a field goal. They play just enough defense. Yeah, Jared they're trying Goff, to get some people playing in the afternoon. That's right. that's what these pick'em basic lines are. I know, I know. So I'm, I'm with you though. I've got the Rams. I don't like Washington. I think they actually got lucky with a couple mistakes that Carson Wentz made throwing the football. Not only the pick six, but overthrowing and underthrowing a Tory Smith a couple times. Um, that and a couple ridiculous plays offensively. I think I think the Rams take it easily, but I, not easily. I think it's a close game, but I think they win by at least three. Um, and I'm another West Coast game because of how bad the NFC West might be. Seahawks 49ers. Seahawks 49ers was close to being my point favorite. Well, it, they were close to being my cold hard lock. I don't think though the 49ers are as bad as everyone says they are. I, and I think the Seahawks' um, offensive line continues to cause them problems. I have the Seahawks winning, but I actually have the 49ers covering. I like them covering there and not completely blowing it just enough. And it's a divisional opponent. Playing a divisional opponent, it's a lot different because you play them twice a year. You see them all the time. You know who, they're, who they are. That's why we've seen the Rams upset Seattle randomly throughout the seasons. So I've got the Seahawks. How about yourself? Yeah, that's a. It's an interesting line. It's definitely more interesting than Oakland New York Jets. Um, it'll be it'll be really really intriguing to see how Russell Wilson plays in what's a, looking like it's going to be a rainy game. But I mean, see, it's Seattle. It's raining all the time there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that defense though, and and that's why they're playing for the intriguing, you know, fourteen point spread. My my big thing is I don't know you know Carlos Hyde he's done this for years been this preseason fantasy darling and doesn't come out well he'll have one good game um, I don't think this is it and I think in a game where you're going to go run versus run and in a great Seattle defense I I think they can cover okay um, I think they win by like seventeen I in wouldn't this be, one I wouldn't be shocked by that. Um... 
So I, I, I wouldn't be shocked by that, but I, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot going on. We'll see what happens. I think it's a great, I think it's a great matchup though. No doubt. Yeah, no. And this is why ATS works so well. Last year we'd have a, you know, you and I would be on the page on the same page so well. We'd have all these weeks where we'd basically have to change. We'd each have to choose a couple games to change our picks. Right. You know, this one we both agree Seattle wins, but the the spread is what's the uh, the ultimate equalizer. No, I agree. I agree. So uh, we're going to differ there, and we'll jump right into that great Sunday night game: Packers Falcons in the brand new Mercedes Benz Stadium. No Chick Fil A open. But offenses and touchdowns and wide open. Atlanta comes in as a three-point favorite. Understandable. You got to give credit to the NFC champion at home. Line is under over under 54 and a half. Excuse me. I've got the Packers winning outright, and I have them proving that the that maybe there's a little bit more that the Falcons need to work on. but I've, I've got them over 54 and a half points easily in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you on both ends. I think that, that the green Bay defense is very good. The Atlanta offense showed a lot of missteps against the bears that they'll fix. They'll fix as the season goes on. They don't entirely fix it here because they're basically, they're going from the bottom of the, the NFC North, Right to the top, you revisit our, our rankings last year. It was basically, you know, at your ankles to above your head in terms of the range of NFC North teams. Um, yeah, I think you hammer the over in terms of points, and the the Packers win outright. I think that's I think that's a pretty easy pick, to be honest. Um, but you know, we've been surprised before. If Matty Ice pulls it out, you know, we'll see the BC prospect or product. It's not a prospect anymore by any stretch of the imagination. Um, we'll see the BC product do do his thing, and uh, it'll be fun. Right. You know, Chris Collinsworth oh. was pretty excited last week on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I uh, I got to say, great slate, and we walk right into a Monday night game that I think is way more intriguing after really because of both teams week one. Yeah. Do the Giants have anything left? What does Obel- Odell Beckham play and have anything left? Are the Lions for real? Um, I love it. I it's a three point line Giants, so Giants by three, over under forty three and a half. I've got the Lions again. I don't Lions. like what I saw from the. I thought the Giants were lackluster. I know Odell Beckham might be back. I don't know how he's going to be back. I can't say at this time. Uh, uh, ankle sprain, a severe ankle sprain is is negative for a receiver that uses his ability to cut more than almost anything else. So I've got the Lions covering the three-point. I, I don't know. I've, I've got it out Lions outright. And um, I don't know if we'll get to the over-under. I'm not sure we'll get to 43-and-a-half. But, no, I think we will. I think we'll be over that as well. I think you're over on that. One thing that I thought was intriguing about the Giants, they couldn't get the ball moving very well, but I think that you'll see both Sterling Shepard and Brandon Marshall get a little more involvement. Sterling Shepard had a decent week. You know, by Brandon Marshall had a shit week, and you might see that he, he might be done. Who knows? But Sterling Shepard, I think, he can be great. And especially if Odell's there and you have to give respect to the all pro receiver, 
if you open it up for him like you saw a little bit last year, you could get him involved in a big way, Shepard, I mean. And then you could see what Brandon Marshall can do. This is why you brought him over from your crosstown foes, your, your stadium-sharing foes. Um, I got the Giants winning and covering. Okay. I, I understand. I, you know, I, I get it. I, what I'm excited about, though, is how important that game really is for both teams. Yeah, no, it's definitely the most, like, put-up-or-shut-up game is what I would call it. <laughs> oh, yeah, but let's get a let, let's get a little fantasy corner. You know, a lot of people, like you mentioned with David Johnson and a few other facets, a lot of people were worrying about what happened. We talked about how offenses they'll they'll bounce back. But who do you got in terms of players that you saw on the waiver wire that you might have got and guys that you might have taken a step away from? Right. So let me tell you. Let me tell you what I love about Week One and about Week W E A K fantasy football players. I love poaching early season drops. I went on today. I saw who dropped guys over the waiver period. Okay. Oh, James White dropped. Chris Hogan dropped. I want to find the guys <laughs> who, who players overreact. I love poaching from the kids that are out there that think they know. Everything about fantasy. They're jumping on Kerwin Williams. They're leaping on on these guys who had one decent and a half week. And I'm going, you know what? Your overreaction, your lack of knowledge. You want to trade me Brandon Cooks? I'll take Brandon Cooks. So these are the kind of guys that I love poaching from. So I don't know if it's as much about who you pick up. Because let's be honest. You don't replace David Johnson. You don't replace David Johnson with Kerwin Williams or Andre Ellington or even Chris Johnson. That's a running back by committee now. I will take your your fantasy football waste. I will turn it into treasure. So I love it. A couple leagues. I've already went out. I've grabbed some guys that I think people are forgetting about. These guys are actually good football players. So if you want to drop T.Y. Hilton, I'll take him too. Um, I think guys that are in for a huge week, if you had to have me pick a guy or two, wow. By the way, overly impressed with Marshawn Lynch. Did not see him coming back as strong as he was. Normally, I'd have him up super high. I know they're playing the Jets. If I had to go with the guy, though, week one, it's I really like Jacquez Rogers of the Buccaneers. Wish I had him in some leagues. He's coming back week one. Doug Martin suspended, by the way. Suspended for three games. He'll be back week five instead of week four because of the early bye, which kills me. But I like I like him. I think he's a great play because he's really the guy there. So big fan of his. He'll be my big go-to in terms of plays of the week. Um, I also I mentioned him. I really like Brandon Cooks week one. Um, I think he's gonna have it. He had a lot of targets as well. So I was a big fan of his. And those would be two guys that I'm kind of looking at and thinking, you know what, these are good guys to have. And also, Ty Montgomery, 19 of the 21 carries, I think it was, for Green Bay. He looks like they're just going to go full-on new age offense and let a wide receiver continue to play running back. So a lot of big-name guys there that I really like. But there's really no one I love week one to simply pick up because flashes in the pans occur. Don't spend all your money yet. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and I know one of those guys might turn out to be great, but I've never won my or lost my league in week one. No, I agree with you there. Um, I personally, I, I did try to go for Cohen simply because of the fact that I had Jordan oh, Howard, yeah. who 
may or may not be hurt. Trying to get a little handcuff action, but no, I agree with you. Unless you're in in the uh, the boat of streaming defenses or streaming kickers, which may or may not be a good play. Um, you know, it, there isn't really a ton to make on terms of a waiver wire moving around. Um, one thing that I've noticed, because in our one league, I fell victim to this. The tight end spread is, or really, I guess, the range of good tight ends versus kind of scout, trying to really dig and chip off the bottom of the barrel. Uh, isn't as deep as, I, as I've seen in the past years. I've, you know, I had Hunter Henry on my team. I've tried to go find someone, you know, someone else because he didn't get a single target. Who I'm, I'm not writing off yet. Don't get me wrong, but it's trying to, you know, that that's one thing that I'll I've noticed. Him. And if, if you've got, well, I'm not dropping him. I didn't. <laughs> um, I, man, I'm not dumb. I, I know how to play the game. I'm not. I'm not Jerry. Jer, Jerry, Jerry stay, stay away from the get. Stay in the production room. Um, yeah, we'll 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 keep them. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you 100. percent I think if you in a big position, I think you really need to watch out for this. In and you hit running backs, you hit wide receivers. A lot of people love to overreact with their quarterback in fantasy. Yeah. Um, I a couple years ago did that with Tom Brady, the uh, not the this prior Super Bowl win, but the one before that in 2014. Um, was able to sneak, was able to really snake him out of nowhere and almost went from like a two and four start to basically making our playoffs, but we had four teams making and I finished in fifth, neither here nor there. Not like I remember it or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. Just like with Just like with, with the NFL, you know, NFL, NFL teams in fantasy, you can lose it for yourself, for yourself early, early, but you're definitely, definitely far away from winning it, winning it after no. two weeks. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I I, I think you can't. Zero and two is tough, especially in in shorter leagues, you know, shorter time frame leagues. Um, yeah, once again. There's a reason you drafted guys high. I mean, I received texts as soon as David Johnson went out. Are you getting Colonel Williams? Who am I going to drop? I, I, there's a reason I drafted guys on my roster, and a lot of times it's for their potential. Um, and, you know, you can offer me your buy low candidate. I'll probably take him for somebody low on my roster. I, I draft for potential, but I also draft early rounds for guys I know that are going to produce for me which is why having not having Mike Evans in week one was such a disaster for two of my fantasy teams. God damn. But um, this is a great week. We've already talked about it in the NFL. They, the weeks mirror each other. Fantasy and NFL mirror each other. Week one is overreaction week. Week two, week three, week four. Who's actually going to be a superstar for you all year? Don't give up on Amir Abdullah. I know we had a bad week one. Um, and, you know, and don't automatically trade your whole team for Kareem Hunt. So I love, but I'm, I'm t- I love poaching from, from people who don't fully understand how fantasy football works on that week two way, week one waiver wire. Um, I got to tell you, I'm in a lot of fantasy leagues. It's getting tough for me. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but it can be tough to keep everything together. But I am playing our fearlessly poor producer, Jared Barnes, Jerry, in our 
in our big Philly league. So not can't say I'm too excited about that one, although I should crush him. Um, Man, I have two defenses on my team. I'm okay. <laughs> we'll guy. see. We'll see that what guy. happens there. <laughs> big, big week two for me after my tough, gut-wrenching late night week two loss. I know that you're going, you're matching up against the C-word, who always puts up a very solid team almost every year. Up early, by the way, week one on you. Got nine points so far on the Texas defense. All of that. I've got one on Thursday night. It's fine. But what I was I was mentioning is that I would really like Hunter Henry to get a target as well this week. Um, but I'm fired up for a little more fantasy this week. Once again, anybody out there who's playing in my fantasy leagues, if you want to drop players that I want, more than welcome to do so. I'm happy to take them onto my team. You just go ahead and let me know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I think to watch in terms of uh, the NFL, college, um, watch out for the blog post to come out. I'll put out our our picks there um, on the blog post tomorrow. But I think that's going to do for us. Um, Matt, any uh, any last words, any last trash talk before I kick your ass on Saturday? Let me tell you something. My driver, my brand-new driver, has been nicknamed the Blue Monster, and it gives you that thunder clap. I can't wait. I cannot wait for Saturday to really go ahead and just and just stick it to you. You better bring a couple golf balls because they're going to be running scared on the course. But if you didn't know everyone else out there, expect some live snaps, some instas. We're having a big-time golf tournament this coming Saturday. And in future years, if you're listening, you have any need to play, we'd love to have you come out, see if you can take on Team Blue. Uh, we're going to have to get rid of Team Red after this year, after their poor showing. But we can't wait to recap a little Thunder Cup next week. Uh, and maybe, uh, maybe try to do a live reaction pod. But that's a you know we, we'll figure that out as the weekend goes along. But as Matt said, please follow along on Snapchat. Uh, if you have our personal Snapchats, that is. Follow along for our Instagram stories. Thunder Blog Sports is the Instagram there. Thunder BLG, of course, is the Twitter account. We'll have a live update in terms of scoring for that. Uh, check us out on Facebook. That's where you can find all the links to our website, thunderblogsports.com, where you can find our blog post. For my man, Maddie D, I am the G-Man. Have a good night, everybody. We'll talk to you soon.